Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. Unfortunately, fertility treatment can wreak havoc on a woman's body. And with more women undergoing these procedures, whether it be for age or infertility, There is a growing number of patients that are dealing with some quite unique post-body pregnancies. In this episode, we meet Amber. She's a mum of twins. And we'll hear about the toll that motherhood took on her body and how she got back to being herself. And of course, we have Richard with us again this episode. So welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Hi, Alex. Look, Richard, let's start with IVF and and, and a woman's body. What What are we kind of seeing in that area? So... The difference between that and more conventional pregnancies is there's a high likelihood of twins. So having two children as twins is very different to having sequential pregnancies because there are two babies in the uterus and so all of the skin is stretched up that much more. The muscle separation becomes much, much more. And so we're seeing a lot more of it because IVF is now obviously more popular it's more available, um, and also with egg freezing, there, there are more options for women to do it. And so not obviously all IVF pregnancies are twins, but there's certainly more twins than you would see in more conventional pregnancies. And then on top of that, there's a lot of hormonal treatments that go along with it to help stimulate the eggs, which can have some effects on the on the body and eating and weight and things like that. Mm. So, Amber, you've obviously had twins now, but do you want to tell us just a little bit about your journey getting there and IVF and, and the things that you went through? Yeah, well, um, I went through menopause when I was 23. Yeah, well, at the start, we didn't really know what was happening. I was having a lot of hot flushes and I went to a doctor to try and see what was happening. Uh, long story short, they said that my FSH levels, which is your follicle-stimulating hormone, was um, in a menopausal range. So I had some cysts on my ovaries removed. We tried to do some ovulation induction medication for six months, which that didn't work. Mm. That started to put weight on um, just a lot of hormones. Then I tried acupuncture. I did that for a year, and then that didn't work. So then we went down the IVF road. Yeah. After doing that for a few months, my specialist took out some more cysts and I actually had to have my fallopian tube removed because I had a cyst in my fallopian tube. And that's when she told me that my ovaries just wouldn't work and the only way I was going to fall pregnant was if I got my sister to donate eggs to me. Mm. So we ended up doing that. My sister and I, we had to go through counselling, had to go through police checks. There's a lot of hoops that you've got to jump through. My sister's absolutely incredible. I wouldn't be anywhere without her. Um, Yeah, so we did all of that. And the first round we did, she got, I think, about six embryos. And out of that, only one embryo worked. And I thought that it was going to work because after everything we've been through, this must be it. And we put one egg in and no, it didn't work. 
And then I thought I was going to give up and she pushed me to keep going. And then we did another round and my fiance and I both discussed that we just wanted to put two eggs in. We didn't care if we had twins. We Yeah, so we ended up putting two embryos in and, yeah, it worked. And, wow. and we got twins. Damn, yeah. And so during the pregnancy, what were, what were some things that you experienced having two little people growing in um, I did put on a lot of weight from, I was only 52 kilos before starting IVF and then I got up to about 55 with all of, uh, probably 57 with all of the IVF medication and then by the end of it, when I got induced at 37 weeks, I was 82 kilos. So wow. I put a lot of weight on and only being five foot two, it did put a lot of put a lot of strain on my body like um on my hips and everything I was in a lot of pain I was bedridden for the last three weeks of my pregnancy because I just cried every day because it's just so painful Mm. and is that something that you hear women complaining about a lot Richard I certainly I mean during the pregnancy I mean your whole balance is out Mm. so it's quite common to get back pain one thing I was wanting to ask Amber was um how much that your two babies weighed at birth uh, they weighed one. My daughter, she was two point eight kilos, and my son was three point one kilos. Wow! So that a majority of that weight gain was mm-hmm. was weight. Well, then we also found out when I got induced, I had HALP syndrome, which is um, severe preeclampsia. So I did. I was really sick afterwards, and a lot of the weight that I put on was a lot of fluid. So in the first week, I did drop twenty kilos, mm. but yeah, it was still a lot. Mm. And so. Obviously, at some point, things weren't looking back to normal as as you hoped to. So tell us about when you started thinking that surgery was going to be a route for you. Yeah. um, With my breasts, um, Richard did my breasts. He did a breast lift and a breast reduction a year ago. Mm -hmm. I breastfed the twins for a month um, and then I decided for personal reasons to give that up. But after... I've always had amazing breasts. They've always been very, very perky. And <laughs> um, yeah, after putting a lot of weight on and I went to like, a, I think it was like a 14H cup, like from being a 10D to a 14H and they just expanded so much. And then they, it's true what they say. They say that it's like little golf balls in socks. They're just hanging there. And my nipples were down to my elbows and I just... We were looking at a photo before and they yeah. really are. You can mm-hmm. see that they're, they're down to your elbows when, when your arm's by your side. Well, a lot of the motivation be- before it was um, I was meant to be getting married in May. That has just gone, which obviously didn't happen. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was um, a big thing as well. Um, wanting to I, should, feel I think we should just say because of coronavirus, yeah, okay. they're still <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're still together. <laughs> yeah, so that was a big motivation. I just wanted to feel confident in my own skin again. I wanted to feel have something about me that felt good and I was trying on wedding dresses and it, you can't really wear a bra with a wedding dress and anything that I wanted um yeah it just I just couldn't do it without having saggy boobs just hanging down <laughs> and so when Amber first came to see you Richard were tell us a little bit about that yeah so there's some of the very typical changes that we see in women who have had children had breastfeeding and it certainly more prominent when someone has had the hormonal treatment that Amber needs to have, have done and um, with two two little babies. Um, and so the, the breast skin gets stretched and that, that's why the your, your nipple areola complex ends up lying below the fold. So when we talk about the fold, we're talking about where, essentially where the underwire would sit. 
And as Anne was just saying, her nipples down near her elbow, which when you think about it, that's you know getting down to the level of your belly button. And from an uh, aesthetic point of view, what that does is it changes all the your proportions. So suddenly your chest is really, really long. And this I, I would have pointed this out to you when we had our consultation, that your chest looks really long and your waist looks tiny. So it gives you a sort of a square... Uh, a square appearance rather than being a nice, having a nice long torso and better proportions. And so Amber's right in saying, you know, it's a lift and a reduction. And the two are very similar operations and, and they kind of coexist for the majority of patients. But it's often as much the lift as the removing breast tissue that helps relieve these symptoms. How much tissue, again, Amber, did you have removed? I think in it was total? like 900 grams like between both of them. Mm, yeah, so yeah. it was a bit of tissue that did come out. Then you were saying then you did a lift to kind of give that nice. Yeah, so whenever we're doing a breast reduction, there's always the three components where we're lifting the position of the nipple, we're reducing some of the breast tissue and then tightening and reshaping, reshaping the breast and skin envelope. Now, Amber, you you were quite lucky that that stomach wise you bounced back quite easily. Oh, not really. If you saw my <laughs> stomach right now, <laughs> Richard would love to get his hands on my stomach. Ah, oh, there you go. I would love him to take me too. There you go. Well, Richard, how often do you get women in that have had twins that need some kind of like a tummy tuck and some work in that area? No one knows the numbers on it because you don't know the denominators. Wouldn't know how many women have had twins, but it's certainly very common. Um, that when we see women who've had twins, that they have had the the skin just stretch beyond what is reasonable. So it's like if you have a spring and you stretch it beyond its normal recoil, it doesn't. It loses that springiness and it just doesn't go back into shape. Mm. And so that's what we see with the collagen and the elastin in the skin when women have large, preg- particularly have large pregnancies, or it can ha- although it can happen with small pregnancies as well. It doesn't discriminate necessarily. <laughs> that skin just doesn't have that natural recoil, so it just doesn't go back. And the same thing happens with the diastasis, which is the muscle separation. That's the medical term for it. So the, the muscles just don't go back together again, and it's hard to, for women to get their core strength back together. And some women even have ur- urinary incontinence problems and back issues and things like that. Mm. I guess the message there is that it can be fixed, which is great. We can't all look like Rebecca Judd after having kids. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, well, let's go back to your operation. In the lead up to it, I guess, how long did it take you to decide, yep, I'm going to go? Um, I'd always thought about it. After having the kids, I'd just looked at them. I'm like, no, I need to do something about it. I need to do something about it. And my fiancé, he's been amazing. He's always been on board and he's, I'm happy if you're happy. So I brought him along to have a consultation with Richard because I wanted him to hear that it's, it wasn't going to be easy and I needed him, um, yeah, just to take a little bit of time off work. And he's amazing with the kids. So he looked after them and I stayed at my sister's house for a few nights after that. Um, after having my operation but yeah as soon as he met Richard and we both felt comfortable we booked in on the spot Mm. and I think I booked in in January and then we there was Easter and everything so we gave that a bit of a break and then my sister was due to have a baby in June so yeah he booked we booked it in for May last year. Great and I guess the recovery how was that 
after the initial days because you said you stayed at your sister's. Yeah, um, well, I stayed at my sister's just because my twins are only a year and a half and they don't understand that mummy sore and you can't just jump on her and they're at the point when they're kicking and they're flicking and they just don't know what they're doing. Um, and you don't want to all yeah, that good work undone. Well, exactly, <laughs> and I think the anxiety of the pain gets you more before having surgery and I was so scared I was going to be in so much more pain than I was Mm. and I came out of it and I'm like oh I feel so good and I stopped taking the um, strong medication probably after a day because it doesn't really agree with me so I was just on Nurofen and Panadol and just had a little mini holiday at my sister's house Mm. and being a hairdresser I'm standing up and I'm blow waving a lot so I really thought that blow waving would be an issue but after a week and a half two weeks I was ready to go back to work and yeah I healed really fine I think it's just yeah the anxiety of the pain the thought is is worse than the actual process yeah yeah I'd agree with that. And I often see patients who've had surgery, other surgeries that they've been through, probably less anxious when they're coming into surgery than women who maybe haven't had any surgery, because a lot of it is just that anxiety of turning up to hospital, the fasting, going off to sleep, waking up. It's more the unknown. And so when when you actually do go through it, particularly breast surgery, is usually not that painful. And I think that's quite a typical story and you know to be able to go back to hairdressing within a couple of weeks I think is pretty I mean it's it's at the shorter end but it's certainly in the range of what I would generally expect people sometimes find that hard to believe but it's your right. case yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> now in terms of recovery there's a thing that Richard has talked about before which is really common with women that have had children and have to take a little bit of time away for caring which is mum guilt did you experience that at all during the period it is so hard especially it it is a lot of money that you're spending on yourself you're not spending on your children and like going away on a holiday a family holiday or you're not getting anything if your fiance and you you do feel guilty spending that money on yourself and not being able to work and I'm casual so if I don't work I don't get paid so then there's that element of I'm not bringing income in so my fiance is having to support us and mm. um, yeah just taking that time away from the kids they're so little they don't understand where mummy is like I'm scared that they think that I've run away or I don't want to hug them anymore and yeah, yeah it, it is really hard and it's not fun but like you've got to think if you've got to be a happy mum they need a happy mum and you need to be happy within yourself, so mm. 100%. Well, that's something that we haven't really touched on yet was, I guess, the emotional impacts that you were having before mm. the surgery and afterwards. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the mental journey of it? Yeah, you, you just, um, I guess worthless is like a very strong word, but you you just don't feel like yourself. You, you just feel like. I don't know, a, a bit of you has been taken away because you, you've got to work and you've got to look after your kids and you've got to cook dinner and there's a lot of things that you've got to do and you lose yourself. So I feel like having this surgery was just a little bit of something for me to mm. make myself feel confident again because, yeah, I put on a lot of weight, I lost a lot of weight. Um, yeah, you want to feel attractive, like just to, not even to your fiancé, but for yourself, you want to feel like how you used to feel. Mm. Look, that's just such a common story. We hear that so time and time and time again. It's just got to be something that is real, uh, where women feel like this and, and the guilt about leaving the children. But uh, I think Amber would agree, sort of the long-term benefits 
outweigh all of that sort of short-term concern. Definitely. You feel better within yourself, so then you're a better person for your fiancé and for your kids and you feel more attractive within yourself, so then your partner's going to feel more attractive because you're happier to let him... Like, I wouldn't let my fiancé see me without clothes on because I just felt so, Mm. like... I hated what I looked like and even though I am a very small person and I know I'm not overweight but yeah just everyone's got their own insecurities. Mm. Well look we have had some listeners that have written in onto our Instagram pages and basically communicated that they're in the same position that you were before surgery so I guess what's what's a good message that you'd like to to let them know about having it done? Just uh, the way I said, I've got a girlfriend that's um, booking with Richard at the moment and I said to her, you are going to regret it if you don't do it. You really will regret it. You might regret it if you do it, but I, I really doubt that. But you're always going, if you have it in your head and you want something bad enough, you're always going to want it. You're always going to be thinking about it in, in five years' time. You're going to be like, oh, I wish I did that. So I, I even think now I wish I did my tummy tuck when I had my boobs done. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's always... Yeah, you always just you've just got to do it for yourself. You you won't regret it. You're in the best hands possible. Richard is amazing, and I'm not just saying that because he really is. He's changed my <laughs> life. He's changed my life for the better. So I think I think that's an amazing insight, and to hear it from a patient that some of the negative things you hear about plastic surgery. Yeah, you know, Amber's a mum. She's a worker. She's a hairdresser, and she's feeling embarrassed to be around her her partner. This isn't someone who's trying to go sort of two standard deviations away from the, the mean. She's, she's just trying to get her body back to what it was and feel comfortable within herself. So I think sometimes plastic surgery get a bad rap and I know we're doing another segment on celebrities and maybe who got it right and who, who got it wrong. But I think the where people get a bad – plastic surgery maybe gets a bad name is where it's maybe being done for the wrong reasons or – it's being done and to not look natural and normal. Mm. But did you find that, that people were maybe a little bit judgmental about you getting surgery no. or was everyone Yeah, very everyone supportive? was very, very supportive. Yeah, I told my family and they were all supportive about it and they just they just wanted me to feel like me again. And yeah. that's the thing, I wasn't going out there. It's not so I can go out and flaunt it. It's more just for me to feel like I did before I had the twins. And it's not saying that I, I do appreciate everything that my body went through to be able to have the babies and to be able to feed babies I'm so grateful after everything I went through um I did go through a point where I did really hate my body because it couldn't do the one thing it was meant to do I couldn't have a baby naturally so I think I had a lot of like hate towards Mm. my body anyway so yeah I I think just doing this I'm just piecing back beats that I lost I think yeah Well, look, thank you very much for joining us. If the listeners would like to see a little bit more of your life, you can follow Amber on Instagram. It's Todd Tribes 2. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's some beautiful pictures of you and your your beautiful little twins (laughs) together there. Just say something more about Richard. About, (laughs) I I, honestly. Do you get this a lot, Richard? Everybody (laughs) goes, yeah, see, maybe he's the celebrity. We should do a show just about Richard. But he just. Everybody that messages me about it and they're so 
scared to go and say, I'm like, honestly, I, I would whip my clothes off in front of him. But, and, and I did. Like, But it is very emotional and a lot of people do cry, but he just is so comforting. And even after my surgery, he's like, he's like Amber, do you want a coffee? I'll buy you a coffee. I'm like, yeah, sure. And he gives you your personal number and he's always messaging to check in on you. It's not like you're just a number. You're a part of the family when you go there. And he's looked after my skin. He's he's done everything for me. I'm very, I'm very, very lucky. You've yeah. got a fan. I do. I One do. of many. Yeah. I should start taking commission. I've started to send a few <laughs> <Yeah>. people to. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Keeping It Real. Thank you, Amber and Richard. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media. 